Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome back to Not Without My Sister, where I, Rosemary McCabe, have been freelance for approximately five years and my sister, Beatrice McCabe, sitting across from me, has been unemployed. I sound way too delighted about that. But also a podcast freelancer for 10 months. Yes, thank you. And today we thought we'd talk about interviewing because how many interviews have you done since you lost your job? Too many. A lot. (laughs) A lot. We thought we'd talk about interviewing because not only has Beatrice done a lot of interviews now, but you've also had coaching on interviews, haven't you? And you've spoken to a few different like headhunters and recruiters. Has there been a change in interviewing now versus when you last interviewed like seven years ago, do you think? So, well, actually, the one thing I would say is I've interviewed along the way on occasion, like with people who would reach out and say, have an opportunity. And even when I'm not that interested, I tend to take the phone call and I tend to do the interview because I think that it's very important not to lose interviewing skills, right? Especially if you haven't interviewed for a long time, it can be very intimidating, right? And you start yeah, to imagine, fair. I can't do this and I can't, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to sound so stupid, etc. And it is really boring talking about, tell us a bit about yourself, tell us about your, you know, your journey here. And you kind of go, you start having these really pat little phrases like, hi, say I've done my career backwards, which is actually true. But I think it's really important. So it wouldn't be the first time in seven years, but I did find that there were a lot of changes in terms of responsivity, right? There's just like a lot less responsiveness now. Oh, to job applications as a whole, right? Yeah, and it's also probably like the economy. You know, there's a pretty significant unemployment, especially in my industry at the moment. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people have been let go and um, laid off. So there are huge numbers of applicants for every job, which I think is probably true for most industries. Um, Yeah, well, but except also, for the service industry in America seems to be there oh, yeah. it really hard to get anybody, but everyone else. Well, and also, um, I think that there is a lot more like pre-interviewing, 
um, there are a lot more steps to actually talking with somebody face to face now that everybody can do virtual virtual meetings and has the ability to do teams or zoom or whatever like the phone call seems to be gone by the wayside everybody wants to see your head on a camera right yeah you know what I was actually going to say that because a friend of mine has been out of the workforce for about the last I think six or seven years and has decided to go back and did her first zoom in like I think she'd done a few zooms for like hen parties and stuff over the pandemic but she'd never done anything work-wise on a zoom and I was really like, oh, my God, like you obviously missed out on that whole two years when loads of people were working on Zoom. And she found it really, really intimidating to do an interview that was like face to face, but not face to face. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think um, I think it is a problem. I'll talk, I'll talk about it in a minute. But also a lot of people now sending out surveys about like your leadership style before oh. you get a job. So it's like if they, you might get past the first, you know, the first submission, they reach back out and say, you know, thanks, we got your resume. Um please fill out this survey. It'll only take 10 minutes of your time, whatever. I've had oh. to do a couple of language tests right online. Please take, you know, take this 15 minute French test for jobs that like have um, language skills. I've had to do several exams basically before I got huh. to an interview and then a lot of pre-recorded interviews. So it's like, okay, before you get to talk with a person, you have uh, an automated recording of yourself like they give you a couple of questions that you have to answer you have to video and send in or um they'll say you know join us at one o'clock and you'll be asked you'll be you know given a few prompts that you then have to answer within a two minute window I was just about Um, to say weren't like didn't you do one where like that they asked you questions and you had two minutes to respond so it was basically like like a pop quiz or something yeah no obviously you 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 could prepare for it but like well you couldn't because you didn't know what the topics would be um and you but you knew, I mean, you knew what the job was and you knew what the company was, and you knew what the industry was. So you're like, you, you could prepare from that point of view. No, remember that was the one where I didn't know what the job was, where they were like, oh. we're looking for the pres, a president of a company. Oh, and they didn't know what the company was or anything. Yeah. And it was all highly confidential. I still don't know what it was because I didn't get the job. Wasn't that the one where you said don't know in the interview? It was it? Yeah. It said, imagine it said, prepare. so the second round then was like prepare a case. So you had to prepare some case studies, prepare a case study of um, this donut company and then record your recommendations for how they would improve their marketing strategy, et cetera. And I'm like, well, I really think that the donut company, oh, sorry, I mean donut. Like, so that wasn't a great, that wasn't an auspicious beginning. <laughs> but I think one of the things that you miss, like, especially with Zoom, and now I've actually today had another interview and it was my third interview, third round interview again, Zoom or Teams or whatever. But I think you miss those, you know, like the walking to and from the office, the meeting people kind of in a casual, would you like a glass of water? Where will I put your coat? Sometimes those are the moments where you kind of get the feel for somebody. Yeah. You know, know just being in a Zoom environment, like you're, you either have a fake background, which always, I think there's a lot of, it's very intimate in a weird way and very totally like sterile Sterile in another way yeah yeah. I always absolutely hated being asked to do case studies or like in journalism I feel like a lot of the time you'd be asked to do things like come up with three different article ideas for this publication that you're applying for the job for and like who you would interview and how you would you know go about it I'd always be so pissed off so be like they're totally gonna fucking use that have you ever had to do case studies like that where you've kind of gone, oh, I've had to do like too much work for this that feels like, you know what I mean? Well, the one that I just mentioned where I had to do three pre-recorded 
video rounds. And then I had to do two separate case studies and present them to two different people and then had a meeting with the head of HR and then got told, thanks very much. You're not going to proceed with you. I was like, what the hell? And each one of them was an extremely in-depth case study on like um, a fledgling business, you know, and it wasn't just like, what would you do? It was like, what would you do for marketing? How would you grow their revenue? How would you do this? How would you do that? And I felt like, especially when I was in conversation with the, the interviewer, they were like, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, nobody else has mentioned this. And you're like, hmm, you know, that felt that felt gratuitous. But like the other thing I think that has changed like a lot is I've done this time. I did a lot of work with um, uh, resume, resume coaches. So I actually engaged an individual before I'd lost my job because I had a feeling with we had a lot of changes in the, in the business. And then um, I had a new manager and I kind of was like, just what if? So mm-hmm. I was working with a resume person here in America. And she, you know, it was an interesting exercise because you do a lot of talking about like, what are your strengths? What, you know, what, what are your skills? What do you enjoy? Like in a way it's kind of like therapy, work therapy, you know, like Mm -hmm. what do you actually want to do? What, what, what job are you going to go after versus not go after, et cetera. But I also worked with a coach in Ireland and I had like three or four sessions with her. Her name was Jane, Jane Downs. And she was really good. She um, works with a lot of people who are in transition from one career to another and I found her to be just really focused on kind of the tactical, what are your skills? Like, no, don't talk in that long sentence. What you're actually saying is business strategy. Uh, I hear you talk about this. What it actually is, is transformation. But so much of what everybody's coaching you now about is like, how do you take what is in the job description, weave it into your resume and like really try and hit, you know, those SEO, those big SEO moments? Because the reality of getting in front of a person is so different from a decade ago. Like it's yeah. it's all automated. It's all going through, you know, AI before you even get to yeah. a person. And what I did discover is like, I spent the last 10 months now basically applying online and I really don't know that it's worthwhile. I think unless you have yeah. a person to send your resume to or a person to call or a yeah, connection to introduce with, yeah. you, I think you might be wasting your time because I do think that a lot of people post things online because they are legally obliged to like to advertise it to be seen to be making this a fair hire, you know, Yeah, yeah. Uh, legally speaking. I mean, I'll give you an example. Last week, I applied to a job on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago, applied to a job on LinkedIn, didn't hear anything. And several days later, I got a phone call from the recruiter. Um, Hi, we found your profile. Would you be interested in applying for this job? Would you be interested? And I said, actually, I did apply. Oh, did you? And I'm just going like, that's, you know, yeah. a bit alarming when you're thinking like who's like who's do, who's looking after this? Like where the it, CV's going, and how are you not seeing my name there? But like, is it irrelevant? Like, or is it just is the stuff just going into a pile, and our recruiters just recruiting the candidates that they think are oh, yeah. you know are good for it? And like, I think that kind of makes sense because when I think about some of the companies that I've worked at, and when you post a job, the majority of people who apply for it are like really the certainly the jobs that I posted were not good candidates were not qualified Mm. yeah you know most of the jobs were found by hr like by the hr recruitment teams or by external recruiters like it was much more targeted so Mm. i think the light and i mean and in a lot of cases none of those resumes were read so so i really think you have to have that like you have to have that connection that yeah that human connection and Mm -hmm. you mentioned there that you'd spoken to a career coach in the u.s and in ireland Mm-hmm. was there a difference like did you notice any significant difference between how they approach things 
Well, I mean, the lay, the resume layout is different, right? So, you know, there were different focuses. And again, these are individuals. So, mm-hmm. you know, but there were different focuses of like, don't put this in. Absolutely do put this in. Like rank your education from most recent to, uh, you know, least recent. Rank your education from your degree down to like today. It was, you know, there was a couple of things that were the inverse. But also, I mean, some of the individuals that I've interviewed with have asked for the resume to be reformatted differently. So like everybody kind of wants it their own way. I think it's just really important. I think what I do see though, uh, consistently across everybody's recommendation is skills, this idea of skills of saying, not just like, this is my job and here's what I did, but very clearly saying like my skills are strategy and execution. My skills are, you know, and I think like looking at a lot of job descriptions, it's about what are the jobs asking for? Because they tend to book at the skills themselves in the, like a good job description. In the description, yeah, yeah. Not just like we want these five things, but we're looking for um, strategy this way. We're looking for execution. Mm-hmm. And then underneath it, they have like other, you know, other bullet points. Um, and they all obviously are very, like it's much less flowery than I think years years ago not that it was ever really flowery but it was a bit more like I've done this and I've done that now it was a bit more it was a bit more narrative I think it was like here's the story of my work history whereas now it's like here's a clear picture of what I can do for you well a little bit but also I think what they're looking for now like everything is about the bottom line I drove five million in revenue on this I achieved 22 percent increase in you know ROAS on ad spend whatever like Mm. I it's it's all about the metrics and I think you have to like put any modesty aside on both sides of the Atlantic and just put down like, I, I accomplished, I accomplished, I accomplished, I accomplished. Mm. And like exactly what that is. Instead of like, I led this team, I, I, you know, had 22 direct reports. Nobody really cares. You know, it's more about like, yeah, what yeah. have you done for the business? Yeah. I was responsible for the execution of, as opposed to I executed this. Yeah. 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 Yeah much less passive language. I mean, but then a friend of mine worked with another um, another individual who like had her, like she, she, she came away very kind of, the verbiage was very aggressive. Like I conquered, I, so I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I'm kind of in two minds. I say, I think it still has to reflect your personality, you know? Yeah, I would also really like to see a statistical analysis of how resumes like that are received when it's men versus women because I have I have a suspicion that people reading a resume from a man that says I conquered this are probably like wow he seems powerful whereas reading it from a woman I'd say a lot of people subconsciously or consciously would be like oh she seems like a bit much or she seems a bit full of herself do you know what I mean yeah I did eventually buy my um my one of my resume templates off canva and I thought that was good. Like I was doing a lot of formatting myself and it was easier yeah. just to pick a nice one and go that way. But again, you know, you get feedback. I don't want it like this. I just want it in word format. A lot of people, it was interesting. Um, one of the jobs that I worked at, one of the women that I worked with, actually, I said like, what about this candidate? And she goes, oh, I wouldn't even contemplate that. She goes, it's not in PDF format and we're artists. We're designers. She goes, that's a word doc. And I wouldn't even give that person, you know, the time of day. And I thought that was interesting. Like, I had never thought like that. Um, I still don't think like that. But, but also that poor person, because maybe the previous place they applied to, like you said, was like, put it in a word duck. Oh, 100%. But I think you have to just really play through in your mind, like, mm. who's your audience? You know, is this a creative job? Is it not? Like, and like, it's all a sales pitch at the end of the day. Oh. The other thing that I think was a little bit different between Ireland and America 
was that in America, there's a trend for putting at the head, you know, on the top of your resume, like what your title, what, who you are, like what your name is, et cetera, your details. That's kind of consistent everywhere, your LinkedIn. And then here it's like putting the title of your aspirational titles, like Rosemary McCabe, podcaster, social media expert, I'm going to make it up right, marketing guru, or like what those actual titles would be that you're going for, like creative officer, um, making it up right, copywriting yeah, yeah, yeah. director, director of copywriting. And in Ireland, it was like, take those off take those off you're like you're you're narrowing the scope but you're also distracting them even when it was just the title of the job that you were going for so that was very very conflicting information yeah god it's such a mind fuck isn't it like and and like so much of it i feel like as well and we've talked about this before but so much of like i don't think job interviewing as a method of getting people into a job is actually particularly fit for purpose. Even though I know that it would probably be like so much work, but I really believe that you get somebody in and you get them to do the job for a week and you'll know, or a day and you'll know if they can do it or not, or if, if they're going to be the person. Do you know what I mean? Cause I feel like, like I could go for a job interview and you know, they could look at my CV and go, oh, well, you know, you haven't got much experience in this and we have somebody here who's got X, Y, Z and I'd go, yeah, but are you like put me in there and I'll be better than that person. Now, I sound like I'm talking about a football game. I will not be better than that person at a football game, but at a job, I could be, depending on the job. Do you know what I mean? But also, Rosemary, if you're not willing to, if you're saying you don't want to do a case study, like, you know, people don't want to come in and do a full day, especially if they have another job, right? How can they come and do a I full know, day? I know, I know. Yeah, but so, I don't. So like, like I'm saying, I'm not sure how practical it would be as an exercise. No, but I don't disagree with you. And also, like they say, the people aren't very good necessarily at actually judging other people, right? Like what, you know, I think a lot of the questions that people ask in interviews are kind of redundant, Oh, I'd say I'd say 75% of the of your verdict about somebody is made before they've said a word. Do you know what I mean? Based well well like before they've said a word about the job, based on you know what you think of their face, how they smile at you, how they shake your hand, how they walk into the room, how they look around, you know. Yeah, but you see in this case, so you're on Zoom now, so you don't have you have a much limited version of that. So you look well, at so, their background. So, yeah, clothes. so I'd be looking at your background, I'd be like, well, that copy of mine camp is making her look suspicious. What? I'm joking. Ridiculous. There's a there's a book over your shoulder that says bird. And then there's 10 copies of my book. So I'd hire you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Have you had any in-person interviews yet? Or have they all been virtual? They've all been virtual. They've all been oh, it's, virtual. It's mad, isn't it? Like so different to five years ago. Yeah, so like, and I've had, you know, three to four rounds of interviews for certain jobs that I ended up not getting because I'm not in those jobs. Um, and they were all virtual, but mainly because now as well, a lot of people, like a lot of these people were not in the same place. Like yeah, a lot was, of people work remotely as well. But in the same company, like one was in Florida, one was in Massachusetts and one was somewhere else. So, mm. and the job itself was in none of those places. So you'd wonder who you'd be going to see, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It was, I feel like I really missed that though. Cause I think you do, you just don't get the same. You you also have no idea if you're going to enjoy this job or this environment or this company. Cause you're not. I was just about to say, yeah, you're not even seeing like, does everyone look a bit miserable? Are people chatting? Does it seem yeah. like a warm, inviting atmosphere? What questions do you ask? You know, when they say, do you have any questions? What do you ask? Oh, I mean the usual, like, you know, what is it that you enjoy about working here? Um, I think it's very important to really understand your reporting structure because in some jobs I have not fully clarified that like not it's more like I made assumptions that turned out to be incorrect mm -hmm. or when people say we're hiring this and we haven't kind of figured this out yet I think that's a bit of a red flag you know mm. so I always ask about what the reporting structure is not just mine but like who my peers are what the what the org structure looks like mm -hmm. and then um, like what what does success look like for the individual who um who gets this role oh interesting so kind of like what are the kpis what are the mm. expectations like what would you be looking for for the for, for this individual to achieve in the first 90 days oh 90 days i read somewhere that a good question and i haven't actually done an interview since i read this so i haven't been able to use it but i read that a good question to ask is based on the role and looking at my resume and my experience what do you think would be the biggest challenge for me in this role but do you want then, to be encouraging them to think like about the negatives for you? No, not necessarily. But I think asking that question makes it very clear that they kind of have to point out what they think might be your weakness. And then you get a chance to rebut that because mm. you're in a conversation with them right? rather than them going away and being like, mm, with her experience in this, I really don't know if she'll be able for X. Whereas when they say that to your face, you can go, oh, well, actually, in my role here, I dealt with a very similar scenario, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, I have had to do in the past, I'm just thinking about, I have in the past had to do a lot of projects and I haven't been asked to do any projects. I've been asked only to do like strategic things this time. Like I used to have to do a lot more design projects. And as obviously as my career has changed, you know, my, my jobs are different and my, my roles would be different now. So, mm -hmm. so that I haven't been asked that, but I used to hate that because 
I feel like giving somebody a case study or a project to do is such a big responsibility because they're and they're not always aligned with what their manager is expecting. So very often no. I was sent off to do highly convoluted projects. Didn't you have to do one for um for Kate Spade in New York? Yeah, I did interview with Kate Spade and I had to do a project and they were like, we just want to totally revamp. We want to do totally, like we want an absolute new vision. Like I think what they meant was we want an absolute new vision that looks exactly like this vision, right? But, yeah. and so I went off and did an absolute, I was actually, I didn't even have it behind me here. I was looking at it the other day and I was like, it was, I mean, it was ridiculous. I'll show it to you in a minute. Like I was making, I was doing upside down bags with hearts all over it. And I, then I presented to Deborah Lloyd, who was the CEO or the president at the time. And she was just, you could tell she was just like, what is going on? And she was like, what, what are these bags? Kind of, I was mortified. And I was like, oh, well, I was given the direction to, you know, totally reimagine. And, and she's like, oh, well, this just is very like, we wouldn't, this is nothing like our assortment. And I was like, yeah, that was, I know. That was the brief. Yeah, that was the brief. I mean, yeah. I I think it was a verbal brief, number one. So I didn't yeah. have it to show her. And there clearly had been no alignment between her and the individual who gave me the brief. Like, and I think truly it was just like a mix up, you know. No, but they also probably meant, you know, like, shake it up. I'm ready for a whole new style while sticking to my old style. Yeah, exactly. But that was not, I mean, and I was more junior in my career at the time as well, you mm. know. So I would know that now. What they really mean is give me exactly what I already have. Just make it look new. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So clearly didn't get that job, <laughs> but um, I think that is a big, I think that is a big challenge when people give case studies or like, they're just, it's, it's very broad and very open-ended and they're expecting you to come back with like the nugget of genius that they in their jobs, like in their yeah. capacities as everyday stewards of this brand have yet to uncover. You're like, if it was that easy. I was just about to say, it. like they want you in one case study to come up with the best possible work they could achieve in two years. Do you know what I mean? Is yeah. they want you to yeah. come up with something better than any of their designers have done in the last two years. Yeah. Um, what do you think are, have you noticed any red flags in interviews from the business part to you? Do you know what I mean? As in anything that sticks out to you in an interview and you go, oh, I don't think I'd like this. You know what I mean? I think really it is mainly that one about org. Um, and I had a, an interview years ago. Um, it was at Tory Birch. It was before I went to work at Fossil. And I was, and they were like, so we're looking for a VP of design and we might also hire a VP of merchandising, but we might hire an SVP and have you report that SVP. We're just not sure yet. And I was like, you know, I had worked at that point with several, like, you know, people who's, who were very specific personalities. And you're like, I need mm -hmm. to have a good, like, it's not that, you know, your boss could never leave and you mightn't get a new boss, but at least at that point, it's just the boss. Like all of yeah. this kind of lack of, clarity around their reporting structure and around their own vision for the team and the structure etc just didn't give me a lot of confidence I was just about to say it's messy and like people feel secure when they have a clear line of here's who I report to here's who I go to for help and here's who reports to me and any kind of messiness with that I think makes people feel very insecure in their positions and in their ability to do their job and I was very interested because I would have been working at the time directly with Tori and I was interested in that. And then I'm like, I'm not that interested in working mm. with an intermediary because then you're yeah. translating somebody else's vision. And like, it could have been great, but it could also have been really messy. So anyway, I ended up not taking that role and going to Fossil instead. Yeah, I also feel like when you're in a kind of a, a high-ish position, but there's somebody in between you and the, the, the big boss or like the, the ultimate person, 
there's so much room in there for them to take credit for your work and for them to blame you for their mistakes. And like, I'm sure that's not everybody. And, you know, there are probably more good bosses than there are bad bosses. But I just feel like when there's somebody else who ends up being the liaison, you don't get to actually speak for yourself and to present your own work and to take credit or or not. You know what I mean? I don't know. It always makes me no, feel no. a bit like... Uh, well, well, I mean, if, if it's not that person, then you are that person. So I, I'd like to hope that we're not, you know, taking credit for other people's work and Except for that one time that I took the the phone from that girl in Meteor, remember? The phone sale. <sighs> you know what I was thinking about the other day? I was thinking about like things in life that I feel really like ashamed, like really, not really ashamed, ashamed is too strong, but like I feel really guilty about. And that's one of them. Really? Yeah. Still? Oh yeah, I feel like I feel really, I feel really bad about it. And I feel really like just one of those things that like, if I could go back, I would almost risk the butterfly effect of changing my whole life to not do that. <laughs> What? Almost, almost. I, I just feel so bad about it. I feel awful. Like, it was just, I was a really bad person in that moment. And I don't like feeling like I was a bad person. You were a bad person in that moment. Imagine if you went back and suddenly, hey, presto, I'm employed again. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't know. You wouldn't get any of the credit, though. So again, it's not worth doing. We wouldn't know you'd done it. No, Beatrice, the whole point is I want to do this to be a good person, not to get the credit. My My motivations are entirely pure altruistic yeah I'm not sure about that exactly so all in all I would say that this year has been a lot of automated effort a lot I mean just to be clear I've probably done about 200 interviews at least I mean I've sent off about 200 resumes I was about to say say. how many times have you redone your CV at least I have done my CV so many times like so so many I'm sick of looking at it it starts to just be like a garbled mess of words where you're like this doesn't even make sense anymore like and I feel like you spend so much time on it also that not me you the big idea starts just you kind of go does this even is this even cohesive is this just a load of tiny details that don't kind of co you know coalesce into a bigger story at the beginning the first time you do it you're kind of like here are the five big achievements then by the time you finesse them so much you're like these don't even seem like Mm. achievements anymore yeah kind of like when you go over and over and over a drawing and then at the end you're like actually I should have stopped halfway through yeah well at the beginning of this I was actually putting in I was keeping a log every week of I applied to all these jobs so that I would remember Mm. right and the cover letters how many cover letters have I written I know. Oh my God. I would be a great fit for this because, and here are my, actually I got a great cover letter um, template from Jane Downs, coach. Um, And that was a, that was a really good one where she was, where it was like, hi, I'm applying for this job. Keep it short. And then here are my, here are my, you know, applicable or transferable skills, bullet points. Here they are. Thanks a lot. Look forward to hearing from you. Have I heard from any single person? No, but the cover letters were good. Well, you know what my one piece of advice would be for you, but also for everybody, is to find somebody who is in a similar role or in the same industry or who basically knows what you what you have done and what your skills are. Find that person to ask for their opinion on your CV because every time you ask me, I'm just filled with this absolute oh. terror. I don't know. I don't understand a thing. I'm like, and I'm not stupid, but I'm reading through it and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense to me. No, no, not the whole, the Fine. CV makes sense, but like some of the things you're talking about that I'm like, I have no idea what this even is. Fine, I'll send to it Google to Kevin. Him. But he'll be yeah, like, but Kevin will be like, I did that. She's taking all the credit for all my work. <laughs> <laughs> well, just tell him in advance, Kevin, I'm taking all the credit for your work. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that'll go down really well. Sounds good. Kevin! 
Thank you all so much for listening to Not Without My Sister. Let us know your interview experiences. Have you had a good interview this year? Have you had a bad interview this year? What are your interview red flags? Are there any interviews that you've gone into and walked out going, no way could I do that job because... And what was the because? Send us a voice note on Instagram at notwithoutmysister. Email us notwithoutmysister at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, that's how you get in touch. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Rosemary McCabe, at Beatrice McCabe. We are there. Beatrice is a lurker. I'm less of a lurker. You did that nice. You did that interview. Um, was it at Dunn's where you just left, stood up in the middle of it and left? That wasn't the interview. That was the induction. There was like oh, yeah. an, an hour into the induction where I was like, it's not for me. Yeah, and you know what? It just proved that it wasn't for me because when I put my little hand up and I went, sorry to interrupt, I've just I've just realised this really isn't going to be a good fit. She went, can you tell me why? In front of a room of about 12 people. And I was like, no. I was like, I just don't think it's a good fit. And then I left. It was because they were talking about how like every time you come in and every time you go out, your bag is going to be searched and you're going to be, it was just the whole thing was basically like, we're never going to trust any of our staff. And I was like, I don't want to work here. This just seems it's awful. Like, it's like working at Prada, except slightly different. Does your bag get searched every time you leave Prada? Does. God, it almost wouldn't be worth it. I'd only be working there so I could rob the little coin purses. No, I'm joking. That's a joke. It's a joke. Wouldn't say there'd be that many coin purses in the office anyway. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for talking to me, Beatrice. Bye. Bye. Oh, bye. Thanks for talking to me too, Rosemary. Bye. Thanks for interviewing me. Bye. Not Without My Sister is recorded in studio in Fort Wayne, by Don Kirkland, who also wrote our theme tune, and the original illustration is by Lindsay Nielsen. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.